We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fighting Bukayo Sakas are through to the next round as Bukayo Saka stars for the Fighting Sakas. This is the Arsenal Vision Euro 2020 Daily. My name is Elliot Smith, the Blackman Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Bukayo Saka, Bukayo Saka, Bukayo Saka. You've now listened to the podcast. You can stop. It's over. There's nothing else to talk about. I sort of kid, but I sort of don't. Um, someone tweeted out that everyone feels like a proud parent watching Bukayo Saka play today, or at least our Arsenal fans. And I have had many, many people reiterate that sentiment, and it is the correct sentiment as Bukayo Saka does star for the uh, fighting Bukayo Sakas today as they go on to win 1-0 and into the next round uh, for a date with Germany, France, or Portugal. Congratulations. Um, But having said that, uh, Croatia are also through. Heartbreak for Scotland as they are beaten 3-1. A stunning Modric goal. Uh, the pick of the group there. We will discuss all of that and mostly Bukayo Saka with Phil. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil. Hi, Elliot. How's it going? It's going great because I am the proud parent of one Bukayo Saka, which means that I'm in a very good mood. Um, I have to be honest, there was a part of me that thought Bukayo Saka might not see the pitch in this tournament, or certainly not start. I think it speaks volumes to his maturity and how he must look in training to get the start today. And then, to be fair, fairly low-stakes game for England, where you could argue that finishing second in the group might have actually been better. But Saka did not disappoint. Uh, for me, obviously, as an Arsenal fan, this game is all about him. But Jack Grealish starting, too, is probably something people want to talk about before we get on the Grealish-Saka connection and why it will power Arsenal to the title next season. Uh, how proud are you of that young man, Bukayo Saka? Yeah, just, you know, he just makes me smile. You know, he's just so humble, so cute. Um, I feel, like, really protective over him. And you know that... There's that sort of communist Bugs Bunny meme when it's like um, my phone and then it goes our phone with like a funny picture of him. It's just like he's everybody's child. Like we, we've adopted him. You know, we, we've all got shared custody over him. And I completely love watching him all the time, wherever he's playing, left back, right midfield, number 10, number eight. He's just so good, so good all the time. And I don't think people realize how good he is, like maybe because he was 
our only bright spark for basically the whole season. Obviously, Arsenal fans have been talking him up, but there were a lot of eyebrows raised before tonight's game when they saw the lineup. But really, this guy's like different class, um, and he showed it again tonight. And I'm just so beaming with pride watching him. Yeah, I mean, it, it is wonderful to watch him, and I, I think it, what you see is that he is a player who can really devastate in a variety of ways. I mean, he he plays an important role in the goal, carrying the ball forward, making the run away. He also had a really important, was it a block or just an interception in the box in the first half when mm-hmm. the ball mm-hmm. was being cut back to the other side and he had chased all the way back to to cut out, uh, to keep the ball from sort of rolling all the way across the box to the to the check attacker. I, I, I think that was, yeah, that was in the first half. Um, you know, and I, I think to be fair, while I, I don't enjoy seeing him play left wing back, right wing back, right forward, left forward, you know, inside eight, whatever you want to call it, he definitely has an awareness on the pitch that maybe is a benefit of having to, had to play in a variety of positions. I remember Arsene Wenger used to like to take um, midfielders or forwards and play them out on the wing, and he said that you know they saw the pitch a different way from out there and it would help them in their development. I wonder if Saka's benefiting from a little bit of that movement around the pitch because he just seems aware, and he had a very free role. He was able to sort of drop inside, go in behind. He's got such great balance. Like One thing that I, I think is so interesting about him, and, and Sterling has this a bit too, but it's that ability to sort of to drop the shoulder, to faint one way and the other, but to never be off balance. So he can always take that next touch forward. He can put a defender on his rear end. You know, again, another thing that Sterling does really well, right? He uses that low center of gravity to really put a guy on his back and turn them. He had that, uh, I guess, the Czech defender got a, a yellow card for pulling him back after after he spun him because he had him pinned behind him. It really is the the variety of skills that he has. He's not this sort of slight precocious flair player. He he has a real physicality and strength to the way he plays. I guess there is no question here, Phil. I just want you to agree with me. <laughs> no, no, no. I completely agree. Um, it's what you said. He can kind of wriggle away from challenges. He's really strong um, when defenders are like pushing up right onto him. He uses his body really well. His touch is, you know, really secure on both feet. Um, he keeps the ball, he can knock it off, he can run. He's just so complete. And honestly, every time I watch him, I'm like amazed because I see a different thing um, that he's added to his game. And it's just like, you should not be this good at this age. You know, like it's honestly how I felt watching Fabregas and, and Jack Wilshire. You know, it's like that level. Um, and he completely deserved his plaudits today because... Um, he was the standout performer for me and for a lot of other people. So I'm just absolutely delighted for him because um, we've got a gem on our hands and I'm so glad he's ours. Yeah, yeah, me too. And so do you want to talk a little bit about the, the Grealish introduction as well? I mean, obviously, I, I think it's fun for Arsenal fans to see how Grealish will slot in with Saka. I'm kidding. I'd like to not be kidding, but I'm <laughs> but I'm kidding. Um, a good game for Grealish in parts. You know, I, I don't think he was totally dominant. He did get subbed off. Um, for Bellingham, who's also a very exciting player. Do you think that Grealish made enough of a mark that that Southgate will have the confidence to start him? I think the challenge for both of those players is simply the quality of the opposition that England are likely to be facing will mean that Southgate will, I think, struggle to be as forward-thinking as he was today. Yeah, I mean, there's always you always have to take the opposition into account. Um, but I think Jack Grealish has a real opportunity now because Mason Mount's going to be ruled out 
um, for the next 10 days. Oh, so he is. I didn't doubles. see that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was made official today, him and Chilwell. So there's kind of a nice realist-shaped hole um, in that kind of left-sided midfield, number eight, number 10 kind of position where they can just kind of give him the keys and see what he does, you know. I agree there were parts where he was kind of out of the game and I think he was on the receiving end of some really big tackles as usual. Um, I think Soufal, there was one in the second half when he just raked down his Achilles and even I winced having to watch that on the TV. But, you know, he's he can just kind of burst into life at any moment and especially in the first half an hour. I don't think the Czech Republic could handle him at all. And it was such a joy watching him, Saka, um, Sterling kind of race through in transition because they're all so clever in terms of their movement and their touch. And I think that assist um, was just another um, sort of example of his quality. And obviously that was the, uh, the the game-winning moment. So I think he's justified his inclusion, even if there were some moments where he was a bit quiet. Yeah, and it's it's funny. It's Saka rising just ahead of Sterling to, to just miss his chance at the goal, and it's Sterling who gets it. Um, you know, it's interesting for Sterling because I think you know he has both England goals in the in this round, and yet I don't know that I thought he was great all the time. A lot of stuff didn't come off, um, but he did get the goals, and that seems to be a fairly important thing between him and Kane. You know, again, Kane had a shot well stopped, but I, I don't think he was brilliant today. I think both of them at this point, though, are just very clearly in the team no matter what. Or, I mean, it, this is silly to say about Sterling after having scored again, but do you think either of them are vulnerable and maybe in particular Kane or not at all? No, I mean, we spoke about it yesterday. For me, Kane's undroppable unless he's injured. Um, I don't particularly agree with that, but I just think that's how it is on the South Gate. And for me, Sterling, I think he's always going to be on that left side because his role is very specific and defined. Whereas, you know, Saka, Foden, Grealish, Mason Mount, these guys can kind of float around, interchange, um, you know, link with each other. But for me, Sterling's role is very specific where, you know, people get on Harry Kane's back for dropping too deep, but you need Sterling to vacate that space. And he does it so well. I mean, we even saw it in the first sort of few minutes when he got through and, and hit the post. And he's just really smart in the penalty area. I know his goals sort of dried up towards the end of last season, but you can't doubt his sort of nose for being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, he's kind of got that Eddie and Ketia-esque quality of just always being there for the tap-ins and the close-range goals, which which you need. You know, not every goal can be uh, from, you know, 30 yards or curling in from from the edge of the box, you know, you need people in the box to to finish off those easy ones and Kane can't do it all by himself. So I agree Sterling kind of fades in and out of games, but with other people much more happy to take the ball, much more involved in the play, you can kind of afford to have him out on the left and just kind of leave him there and wait for him to do something. It's a bit like how Arsenal play with Gabriel Martinelli, you know, mm-hmm. low touch uh, doesn't need to be overly involved in play, but when the chances come, he's going to be there. And, you know, they're they're very useful players because at the end of the day, all that's on their mind is the quickest route to goal. And he's and he's scored again. Like you said, the only two goals England have scored and they're both his. So, um, yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. And I guess then the question becomes whether you feel England are positioned to make some noise in the tournament given who they're going to face next round. I thought the the interesting thing about this game is it wasn't exactly a high-stakes game. The first half was 
weirdly fun and open. I thought England created a lot of interesting openings and attacked fairly well, but, you know, they, they gave as good as they got to some extent in terms of allowing the Czechs to have some chance chances at the other end. Um, I don't know much about the second half other than it was pretty dull, and England, I think, were pretty happy to just sort of sit on what they had. So now I think we look at it and say, is this... Have we learned enough about England to feel really confident going into the next game? I mean, whoever it is, whether it's Germany, whether it's France, whether it's Portugal, it's going to be a really stiff test. But where's your confidence level coming off? You know, I don't want to say like a dominant performance, but I'd say an encouraging one. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with England, they've always looked comfortable. Um, I mean, obviously, there have been moments where Scotland put some pressure on uh even today, you know, Czech Republic had some had some moments that, you know, left them a bit uh, heart in mouth kind of thing. But I've never felt a sort of nerves or, or, or pressure from them. I think anything that's come their way, they've kind of dealt with. So for me, that's encouraging. Obviously, they've kept three clean sheets now in the, in the group stages, which is another sort of welcome stat into the pack. But I don't know. I just... Whenever I watch England, I, I always come back from the game feeling like they left something on the pitch. Yeah, I agree with that. In an, atta- in an attacking sense, because I maybe it's just me sort of holding high expectations because of the amount of attacking talent on the pitch. And I, you know, expect them to be Pep's Barcelona from 2011. But, you know, I just feel like they could be doing more. And to score two goals against Scotland, um, Croatia and Czech Republic, it doesn't really scream... Um, attacking verve you know I mean obviously they they have struggled to get Harry Kane involved but just in a general sense I don't think they get enough shots off at goal I mean today they created an incredible 0.00 xg in the second half which you know <laughs> is 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 pretty poor so for me the pretty job poor. Now can, is, can you do worse than that <laughs> well I did kind of tongue-in-cheek um but for me, Southgate's job now is to really try and get some combinations going in that attack because you could see it in in fits and starts today, you know, the, especially between Saka, Grealish, you know, there was some really bright moments, but I don't ever get the impression that they're sustaining wave after wave of attack. And against three, well, against two teams who prefer to defend in the group, they just didn't do enough for me, and I think if they're going to be playing a, a good team, they're going to need much more in the attacking sense. Um, you know, Henderson came in and played, and I, I think that's encouraging because overall I, I think he's a little better than Declan Rice is just my my feeling. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But do you have a sense of, of how Henderson played and if you think he now sort of retakes that spot as his own? I think for sure this was kind of an audition for him. I don't think Declan Rice did anything especially wrong but Gareth Southgate you know he's obviously been listening to the podcast and he put Calvin Phillips in a deeper role um, who I thought was really good again today he was tidy energetic and what I really like about Calvin Phillips is how he always wants the ball like he was screaming at John Stones and Harry Maguire to give him the ball um, which I thought was a really sort of impressive trait because I, I see it from Declan Rice but he's in a much more deeper area when he does that Um, But Phillips was trying to break the lines. And I think perhaps Henderson and Phillips could be a nice duo where they could both do the sitting job, but also both do the the sort of box-to-box energy role. And I think that could be a really nice pivot because it could be like one stay, one go. Um, 
you know, and it's no knock on Declan Rice. I think he's a really useful player to have. But I think if Jordan Henderson's up for it, um, I think he's sort of going to ease his way back in. Um, I mean, he even scored a goal today, even though it was offside. So that shows he's, you know, at least willing to get into the box. So I think today was very much how how can you cope at this level, at this pace? And, and can you last the 45 minutes, basically? Because we're going to need you. Yeah. Um, so... This is hard to ask, and obviously you can't ask a coach this because they'll give you some milk toast answer. But you don't have to; you can actually give a real answer. How do you want to see the group of death playing out with England's interests in mind? I mean, it, it's so difficult because Germany had a very strong game against Portugal. So it, I think it's to be honest. I don't. I don't really know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I think, I mean, Portugal and France were, were my favourites, obviously heading into the tournament, the two favourites, but I was really underwhelmed by Portugal um, against Germany. I don't think they, they played very well at all, and especially defensively, they looked really vulnerable. But then you can never discount them because they have so much attacking quality. The same with France. I never felt like, you know... They've been overly troubled, even though they dropped points against Hungary. And I see it as they can go up a gear. So, I mean, any of those teams, you can highlight strengths, highlight weaknesses. I don't know. I really don't know. Because, again, we've only seen them play twice. So, I think after the three games, that's when you can have a a large enough sample size about um, where you can hurt teams, where they can hurt you. And as I said yesterday, I kind of think overanalyzing who you can get in the next round and finishing where is is kind of irrelevant because if you have any ambition of winning an international tournament, you're going to have to play the big teams eventually. So I just say, you know, bring on whoever it is and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that is that is the kind of uh, bluster that you need to, to bring it home. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm all for that. Let me. Let me ask you this. Do you think in international football it is possible to go horses for courses in a game or do you just need to have a way of playing in a team and set them out and go? I mean, like, I'm sort of torn on this because there's a part of me that thinks there's not enough training time with these players to really be like, all right, we're going to go with plan B against France and plan C against Germany. You kind of just have to have your team that you trust that you put out there, but if you know you're playing a team that's probably going to outpossess you, that may push you back a bit, there may be an interest in counterattacking more. And you could argue that there there are selections to be made that better suit that kind of strategy. I, I guess, is that something that you think an international manager can afford to do or not so much? I think with international football, it's, you highlighted one of the big points there is that they don't have long to work with their players. Um, so it's difficult to implement ideas or tactical changes when there's only a few days in between games you know for me I do understand that knockout football is different um, because there's just so much at stake in every game I know Denmark lost the first two games and still managed to qualify but aside from their sort of incredible journey every game that you lose that you drop points is kind of you're digging yourself a deeper hole. So I can understand why managers are conservative because nobody wants to be um, working to get themselves back on side. They want to be looking behind them, you know? Mm. So I can kind of understand sometimes why managers don't go completely, you know, 
balls out straight into the attack. We're going to blitz this team 4-0. Um, and, you know, and good night. You know, it's it's not that easy, especially when when fine margins can really, you know, make a difference, as we saw in the, in the France-Hungary game. I mean, Hungary didn't even get into the France half um, in 45 minutes, and yet they were 1-0 up at halftime. So, yeah. you know, it's just so finely balanced. And at this sort of kind of level, um, you haven't got much margin for error. So for me, you can't really just put on, you know, six attackers and say, right, let's go and blitz them. You, you need to have a little bit of something about you. Yeah, I, I think it, it's also the case that with the kind of attacking talent all those teams have, if you are willing to sit back and just let them come at you, eventually they're going to find their way through. I mean, I think France, even against Germany, probably got pushed back a little more than they'd like to. But you look at what Germany did to Portugal, and you know that's a good Portuguese side, and Germany just pulled them to pieces. Now, granted, uh, Semedo doesn't play for England, so <laughs> that helps. Um, well, let's do this. Uh, let's just touch on Saka one more time before we move on to the Croatia game and then look ahead to tomorrow. Just as you watch Bukayo Saka and you see a performance like this on a pretty big stage and how he handles every level th- that he moves up, every next stage in his career... He's so comfortable. He's so composed. He he doesn't seem to have any fear of the spotlight. I mean, does is this just sort of another signal, a confirmation signal that Saka is not like a fever dream that we Arsenal fans have and and overrating our academy? I mean, this one this one looks like a can't miss at this point, right? No, no, for sure. I mean, it's an interesting moment actually today because a lot of people may have sort of brushed Saka aside because standing out for Arsenal last season um, was not such a difficult job. And obviously they would have seen Arsenal fans waxing lyrical about him um, sort of every week, especially over over that sort of Christmas to February period when he was just kind of unstoppable. And it would have been easy for a lot of fans to go, but Arsenal are terrible. You know, it's it doesn't take much to stand out in this side, but I think tonight they really saw what Saka is all about and what they, you know, um, you can see his quality. I mean, he's just such an intelligent player, you know, whether it's his spatial awareness, his footballing IQ, his first touch, everything seems to be sort of complete already. Um, And I think a lot of people will have really sat up today and gone, hmm, okay, maybe it wasn't just... Um, these loser Arsenal fans <laughs> going crazy over an a- academy prospect. You know, he really is um, something special. And I think Gareth Southgate knows that the way he, spe- he speaks about Saka. I think he knows that and he sees that. So I know eyebrows were raised when, when he started ahead of Jadon Sancho. But for me, when he plays like that, that decision was was completely justified. Yeah, well, I I, I just love him. And I think... Look, we need more end product from him. It, it is a classic case of Arsenal having just an electrifying young player in Saka, another electrifying young player in Smith-Rowe, and another electrifying young player in Martinelli. And, like, we sort of also have other players in those positions, too. And, like, it just, you, you know, couldn't couldn't we have, like, a electrifying central midfielder who was as good as Saka? Like, something we desperately need. But I, I think Saka is... You know, as a player who, at this age, to be doing what he's doing and doing it with the sense of belonging, not sort of like he's crashed the party, is really special. I think the last time I felt this way about a young talent at Arsenal was, uh, well, actually Jack Wilshire. And 
you know, obviously Wilshire totally derailed by injuries. So, you know, hopefully with Saka, we'll just get a nice, smooth trajectory to being the best player in the world. Um, there was another game played today. It was Croatia playing Scotland. They won 3-1. Job done. Croatia threw. Uh, Czech Republic probably all, also threw on four, to be fair. But Croatia does wind up top in the group with their, uh, par- pardon me, coming in second and ensuring their qualification with the 3-1 victory. Really the, the pick of the bunch there, Modric outside of the foot, outside of the box. Stunning goal. Um, I don't think this was a vintage performance in this group from Croatia, but good enough to think that maybe there's more to come from that. I mean, with that midfield, they're always going to be a little bit frisky, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Modric was, you know, sometimes you just look at him and you're like, is this guy 35? You know, he was amazing for Real Madrid last season. Um, and, you know, after a, a slightly slow start in this in this tournament today, he was just you know, head and shoulders above every other midfielder on that pitch. And obviously with that goal, I mean, just to ex- to be able to execute something like that with such accuracy, such power, such technique. I mean, there was one angle in particular from the replays that showed it from behind Modric. And just to, to watch that ball bend in was just, you know, amazing. That's what you watch football for. You know, you can see these guys execute things that you wouldn't even dream of doing and that was exactly what that goal was so I agree I don't think it was amazing Croatia um I thought Scotland had a couple of bright moments again but I think their quality and experience told in the end and when they did have the chances um obviously with with Perisic as well they could put them away whereas Scotland they kind of huffed and puffed they created a few nice openings but it just didn't happen um, and I kind of feel like that was their their whole story throughout the tournament, which is a shame. It is a shame. Although, are we maybe just a little bit relieved to see Karen Tierney done with international football and hopefully resting and doing nothing but resting and carrying around Tesco bags for the summer? Oh, yeah. If he needs anyone to go and blow up his inflatable swimming pool in his garden or you know go and fluff his pillows, I'm happy to do it. No one touch him. No one go anywhere near him. Just sit on that set, on that couch enjoy your rest and come back because, you know, we need you next year. And I prefer him not to be uh, semi-broken by the time he gets back to London, Colney. So I think I've done uh, a pretty good job with you, Phil, of not bringing the sort of ribald, unnecessary, childish humor to this podcast. But when you started your sentence with, if he needs anyone to blow, um, yeah, I, I mean, look, we all will do what it takes to keep our players happy. I get it. And then you mentioned fluff. And I, look, it just it gets weird with me sometimes, and I've been trying to keep that from happening. Look, on, we're on we're all team players here. We know what's at stake. <laughs> we know what's at stake, yeah. and he is very very important. <laughs> we got to keep him happy and relaxed and fluffed, I guess. Um, okay, tomorrow though, tomorrow's the the day of the tournament so far. Yeah, I mean Spain and Poland would have thought they were the two that probably go through from the group. They both need results now to to get through it all. Um, mm-hmm. Spain playing Slovakia and then we get the decider in the group of death to determine all of the places really none of them are are firmed up yet so then he does it again um, so which are you looking forward to more a must must result situation for Poland and Spain in their respective games or the uh, how the Giants will organize themselves for the next round in the in the group of death I mean, firstly, I'd just like to say that we cannot let Sweden top the group because 
they have played some of the most dire football in the in the whole tournament, and I think this would be a crime against the footballing gods if they managed to get anywhere. We got a good amount of Swedish um, listeners, so I'm just going to direct them to underscore Phil Costa once again. I apologise, guys. Really, I've <laughs> I've set my my heart with Denmark now, so any other Scandi countries are just my enemies. So fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I just oh, they're a tough watch. Uh, mm. Apart from Alexander Isak, they they are a tough watch. So. Um, I mean, yeah, the pressure is is on Spain. Simply put, um, I think they. I don't know if they're at risk. I mean, obviously they're at risk because of where they sit in the group. But for me, Slovakia. Well, actually, now, now that I think about it, I think they'll be quite content to sit in um, Slovakia, and we haven't exactly seen Spain bulldoze teams with creative one-touch football of, of, of that you know of yesteryear as we as we say so I think they tomorrow could be a bit of a slog but I'm fancying them to just uh just edge it maybe like a, a terrible one nil or something like that to to get them through but I mean the other game for me is is quite difficult to predict because I didn't see anything special from Poland um apart from their striker um and and I still didn't um, see him on top form, shall we say? So, you know, maybe Sweden are going to make me look very stupid uh, after after tomorrow, but I hope not. Well, I mean, Turkey's already done it once. What's another? What's another team doing? Go on, everybody, come on, join the gang. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, glad we signed you up for this, Phil. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, then obviously, yeah, yeah group of death. The, the the other group, the group of death. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, what do, what do you make there? Ooh, I'm looking forward to it. First of all, um, I think there's a, a lot at stake for everybody, which is the kind of final match day that I love um, because you're kind of going from screen to screen, looking at goal difference. You know, what happens if they score and what happens if these guys don't score? And it's, you know, just really fun to be in that kind of environment, especially when you're working. Which game um, are you watching? Though, I mean, I'll kind of have my eye on both, but I will probably be primarily focusing on Portugal, France, um, just mainly because of the quality of both teams. But that's not, you know, sorry, Hungary, I wasn't firing shots or anything. Uh, I think um, having identified those two as my two favourites, I think my my focus will be on Portugal, France. It could be a good game, couldn't it? Um, do you think that Semedo will get ruined by Mbappe in this game? Oh, where's Cedric when you need him? Seriously. I mean, <laughs> when, when do you need Cedric, po- though? Well, I think, I mean, that was a disgraceful performance, really. And I don't say that often, but it was just every time Germany attacked, I was kind of like, did he just fall into a hole in the ground or something? Because <laughs> where's he gone? Where's Cervedo? Every time they were they were pushing forward, he was just gone. Um, and I don't know how, you know, Mendes managed to convince everybody that 35 million was non-corruption, but there you go. Um that transfer to go through from Barcelona but yeah I think Portugal France could be a good one because both teams kind of have a point to prove after some difficult results in the last game so really looking forward to that one but also I'm interested to see if Germany can repeat um you know they're essentially perfect attacking display uh, what I thought against Portugal I think they really got the hang of um their sort of three at the back formation even though I probably called it wrong and told them to go to a back four. But I think they finally utilized Robin Gerson's properly. And, and yeah, I think 
Hungary will definitely be up for it. But if Germany can pull off another impressive result, then, you know, they're going to change a lot of opinions, I think. I think that's right. And I, I have to say, you know, those first few days of a tournament when there's multiple games just going on in three different time slots, it's so much fun. Um, when you get down to days like today, it's a little bit of a lull. I think tomorrow has a chance to be one of the real fun days of the tournament, though, again. And uh, then we get into the knockouts, which are always a blast. So looking forward to keeping this rolling. I do want to ask you, were you impressed by me when we mentioned all of that ribald stuff earlier, that inappropriate stuff that I didn't just roll right into a Manscaped promo? I was actually, I was, I was honestly, I had a, a thought in my mind that was just like, oh, he's going to go into this now, isn't he? Um, the, the famous segue, but the, the you thing did well, about, well yeah, done. The, the thing about the Manscaped promos is you can't see them coming. They, well, which you also can't do if you're not Manscaped. So go to manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. He said, uh, nauseatingly, I'm sorry, I don't know why I do it. Um, let's leave boo. it there. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying boo earns. Uh, okay, let's get out of here. Phil's on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. Yeah. Hey, we have merch. We do. Go to ArsenalVisionPodcast.com and click on the shop link. We have merch. We have actual merch. Uh, Brandon McKenna made like a mug. And I was like, great, a mug. I want the bingo mug. And then he made like 40 other things and they're all gorgeous. He explains the whole design on the website. The, the, the mug is is fun. It's a bingo mug. We'll have comp- contests. Go there, please. Uh, buy a mug. I'm a mug. Buy a mug. Uh, my name's Alex Smith. Black Man Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And, uh, you know, lots more to do. Lots more of this nonsense, and I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, by the way, there was a regular pod out uh, yesterday covering transfers. Lakanga, Madison, White, Andre Silva. Uh, you can get in on that as well. I hope you did. So uh, remember, wherever you are and whoever you support, it's coming home. It's coming home.